Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. This is Power Couple Financial Podcast with Ariel Gonzalez from Arrive Financial and Insurance Services and his wife, the 403B doctor, Adela Gonzalez. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Ariel and Adela provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Power Couple Financial Podcast with Ariel and Adela Gonzalez. Hey everybody, this is another episode of the Power Couple Financial Podcast. My name is Ariel and I'm with my lovely wife, Adela. And we have a special guest what is it? This afternoon, he is Manny Soto of the CEO of the Financial Architects. Hashtag Instagram handle. What is your Instagram handle, Manny? Retirement Options. Retirement Options. So oh, if you yeah. guys are on Instagram, look up the re- or look up Retirement That's Options, right. and you will find my guy Manny Soto on there. And we are in his lovely office in Chino, Chino, California, California. the Chino, beautiful Cal- city of Chino, California. Hey, so. What brings people to Chino, bro, besides you? Cows. 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 Uh, I didn't see cows. I haven't seen not one cow on any of your posts. Yeah, criminals. Uh, there is a Chino, <laughs> Chino prison locally. So is this where people go to hide from, from everybody yeah, else? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, so uh, like I mentioned before, Manny is the CEO of the Financial Architects. And uh, man, you guys, from what I see, Manny, on the outside looking in, you guys are ex- expanding rapidly right now. Orange County. Uh, where else are you guys expanding at right now? And you got a few different offices. City, yeah, right? we have uh, we have an office in Orange. We have an office in Downey. Uh, gosh, we got tax professionals that have their own offices that we contract. I mean, uh, I know that uh, there's a guy out of Fontana, uh, otherwise known as Fontucky. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> I didn't with know that. that. Yeah, Fontucky. Why is that? Well, that's a local term that people use for like. Uh, it's far, <laughs> but it ain't that far. It's but like if you're a NASCAR 20, fan, you live out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? But yeah. um, we're building out another office right now in Costa Mesa, right across from South Coast Plaza. And who's heading up that office? Give them a shout out. Well, uh, it's going to be me, uh, Allison. I know that um, uh, Neil Clark is going to be plugging out of that office. And one of my biggest and best business uh, partners, Natalie, Natalie Esman is going to be out of that office as well. So we're, we're excited about it. That's awesome. And so what do you guys do, bro, at the Financial Architects? Tell us about your business model or who, what, you, what services you guys offer. Absolutely. Uh, we do something very similar to your uh, financial services firm. We, we do everything from income replace it, replacement, which is uh, everything from disability, uh, illness. So if somebody had a heart attack, stroke, or cancer, and they want to take advantage of some of the uh, riders inside of these life insurance policies, they can. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, death. Uh, two things that are very certain that people talk about often are death and taxes. And if they don't talk about it often, they need to start talking about right. it because that's you know, the 100%. subject at hand. something you can't avoid. Absolutely. And then uh, retirement options. Uh, so everything from IRAs, SEP IRAs. Uh, we do 401k plans, uh, 401k platforms. Uh, we show business owners how to get the proper tax deductions and the proper business structure set up. So there's a ton of different things that we do. Uh, alongside that, there's different LLCs and uh, S-Corps, C-Corps, P 
people are normally doing business under their, their uh, sole proprietorship, but we do everything. It's a mouthful. I think I have a good Hey, bro, voice. anybody ever tell you got a sexy voice? I do. Yeah. I do. I do a little bit deeper, you know. <laughs> I like smooth it in. Yeah. So, yeah, you used to be that guy on uh, what, what was that ninety three point one back in the day when we were growing up. Romeo, what's his name? Romeo or what was that dude's I name? The, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, How funny. I, I forget the name of the guy. And then they but, showed a picture of him, and yeah. he was like some Vietnamese dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, remember? Absolutely. I forgot Absolutely. that dude's name. He was strong. He was yeah, strong. dude, he was yeah. killing it. Super strong. He had that sexy, yeah. strong. Yeah, you know, I I try to emulate him. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite recently, I had uh, somebody tell me that I had a, a face for radio. So, oh, oh wow, man, what a jerk! <laughs> yeah. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, it was very strong. Very strong. So, bro, tell me about it. How long have you been in business? I've been. Uh, well, I've I started the Financial Architects uh, right around four years ago, and um, I've been doing financial services and financial planning ever since two thousand three. So gosh, that's uh, almost 16 years now that uh, that I've been, no, it is 16 years now. I've been used to saying 15 years, but Not it's 16 15. years now that I've been doing financial planning. So yeah. Financial Architects has only been around four years. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And to have that expansion, to yeah. have the growth and mm -hmm. the people, that amount of talent that you, you were bringing in on board to work alongside you. So yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. You know, we, we, uh, last time I looked, uh, we have six different tax professionals that do insurance and retirement planning through the financial architects chassis. Yeah. So uh, that's very strong. These are professionals that know and want to do the best thing for their clients. Uh, one guy has like 28,000 clients. Wow. So that's super strong. Uh, and it's, it's somewhat of a conveyor belt. You know, they walk in, the client walks in, yep. and right at the end of the exit, they ask them the golden question, which is, uh, do you have a retirement plan? Do you have an exit strategy for you and your loved ones? And if the answer is no, then he gives them my quality introduction. And if the answer is yes, he normally asks on a scale of one to 10, how good are they? Mm. And you know, there again. Wow. So, uh, so having those types of professionals is very strong because you know normally a client looks at their tax professional as right. Jesus Christ, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> you know? of course. Yeah. So uh, whether that's good led. or bad, you know, <laughs> they want to be led in a in a positive direction when it comes to um, income tax planning or, or tax uh, uh, thresholds. So it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's definitely needed. And then we got what um, several different cities. I, I uh, recently I'm contracting a guy out of Fort Lauderdale, and uh, you know you know this just as much as I do, but. Uh, normally, when you're when you're dealing with across state, you know, within the same domestic area, mm -hmm. which is you know, United States, yeah. uh, they speak the same language, but at the same time, they're speaking different. Florida language. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a barrier, but at the same time, they they want to do the right thing for their clients. And this guy's a mortgage professional, yeah. so he does mortgages, and again, awesome. it's a conveyor belt. And out the back end, he'll ask yeah. the golden questions. That's cool. Hey, so did you come out of high school? planning to be on this industry because I for us well for well, both of us actually we kind of uh -huh. just it kind of just fell into our lap and I just kind of took it uh -huh. so how did you end up in this industry well that's funny that you ask I uh, I was actually recruited uh, so I went to so a, previous to this industry what did you do I did auto collections I uh, I managed a collection oh, staff oh you were the jerk they used to take people's cars from the front of the house you were the good repo at. man I was real good I, 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 I probably had you visit my house a couple <laughs> maybe, times maybe, maybe back so. in 2008 no I was, no, I, was, I, was the, I was the white collar 
kind of pushing the blue collars to go and repo your car. So I was the guy behind the phone. So I'd investigate and see where you were actually at. Uh. And then once I figured out what location you were at, I'd send the repo guy. So there's a guy for that? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Absolutely. So he was the one calling the cousins, all the references on the loan searching you. Oh yeah. Okay. Wow. So so if you ever bought a car, they have you fill out like uh, if you're dirtbag credit, you yeah, like a 520 FICO score. They have you fill out uh, a, a supplemental sheet with eight to ten references. Yeah. Wow. Those eight to ten references are for the collection agency right. that they're going to. So they already pretty much know the statistical possibility of Absolutely. you defaulting on your auto loan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I worked for a company called Triad Financial. And uh, I was there for a couple years. I got really good at collections. Mm -hmm. uh, I think my first management position was when I was 21, 22 in collections. And when I was at Triad, I got written up at my job. And through getting written up at my job, I thought, man, this is really uncomfortable, you know, because I was making close to $80,000 W-2 there. Right. So I had two boys at the time, and they were young. And I thought, if I lose my job, yeah. yeah. How am I going to raise my kids? Yeah. So I had to look for other jobs because I know the writing was on the wall. <clears throat> I was a manager, so I fired people as well. So you get written up once, you get written up twice, and then you're, pretty you're much gone. Out the door. Yeah. So I had to go look for another job. These other jobs aren't hiring for more than $45,000 a year. So you was, get bonus was your triad job uh, commission-based? or No, they have a salary plus the amount of cars that you like repo. a bonus type deal? Yes. So I repoed like nine, I remember my record was 99 cars in one month. <laughs> in one month? Yeah, in my queue. Wow. I was a bad dude, yeah. And was this still in Chino or were No, 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 this was in Huntington Beach. So okay. I lived in West so They were high in cars. No, no, they're, no? they're roughly around $20,000. Every now and then we'd get a $30,000 loan that we'd repo or, or we'd collect on. But a majority of these cars are regular fifteen dollars to $20,000 cars. Wow. So when I worked at that company, you know, I learned a lot on how to uh, talk on the phone and how to um, initiate a conversation. I was really good at that. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, it was through forced failure because yeah. when I got into collections, I was, gosh, 18, 19. And, you know, you got rejection just like you do in any industry. Yeah. So it did help. I mean, you would think Without that it would a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. If I had to do it again, I would have did it the same exact way. I would have gone through, you know, struggled, mm -hmm. uh, fell on my face. I mean, you got, in that industry, it's a doggy dog industry as well. You know, you have people calling you up and throwing F-bombs at you. Oh, yeah. And when you do, and you're a rookie like I was, you know, I had, I was like, you know, what's going on here? And then you my manager. You back? No, no, you weren't allowed to. Mm -hmm. So I remember my manager, I still talk to him to this day. He's one of my good friends, uh, Jaime Rivas. He um, he uh, told me, asked me to transfer the call. He says, uh, "Mr. Soto, transfer the call over here." <laughs> so uh, he's a he's a Salvadorian and he has a heavy accent. Heavy accent. And um, he, I transferred the call and he just ripped this lady a new one, like because she was cussing at me, wow. and she started cussing at him. And I remember him telling her, "You know, you kiss your kids with that mouth," you know, and and. Uh, <laughs> And he would, her. yeah, wow. like, like really good ones. And then he would say something like, uh, I'll take that as a compliment coming from you, ma'am. <laughs> like he was, he was really good. Wow. And I remember learning so much. So he was disarming her little by little. Oh, he was ripping people left and right. And then I got, 
again, I got really good at it. And then I, I created my own little slogans like, hey, this ain't Burger King. You can't have it your way. <laughs> so uh, we're going to pick up your car at this and this time. You know, it was crazy. So wow. it did teach me a lot about rejection and getting into. Uh, Is this the same dude that wrote you up? No. No, no, it was a different manager. Yeah, that was at GC Services when I did oh, gotcha. uh, collections for GC Services on on traffic tickets. But when I went to Triad, it was a completely different person. And the reason why I got written up was because of an Excel spreadsheet error. Wow. So uh, I disagreed with the boss in a public meeting the day before I got oh, wow. written up. The day after, of course, I make this mistake on an Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. So the writing was on the wall. There was nepotism, obviously, in any job. People know that there's some favorites and there's there's a favoritism that's given and you know that's that's part of the progression of course but I think again I would have never done it differently because I have that experience uh, in that sector of business and it helps me with the sector that I'm dealing in now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So now you're licensed. Mm -hmm. You're in the financial services industry. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's been 16 years since you got you got started. Recruited. Recruited. Mm -hmm. What? So how did that start out? What happened? So I was working at Triad. I had just gotten written up and my cousin calls me on a Monday. Mm -hmm. And thinking back, I'm thinking, okay, he was doing a phone zone. So yeah. Yeah. he calls me up. He goes, Manuel, uh, I want you to come to this thing with me tomorrow night. And I go, uh, okay, well, what is it? And he goes, he's got diarrhea. <laughs> mouth, right? yeah. So he says, you're my cousin. Just come with me tomorrow night. And I go, all right. You know, he pulled rank. Right. So, okay, this is one of my closest cousins. I mean, he was pretty much like my brother growing up. So I said, okay. So I said, all right, man. He goes, meet me at grandma's house, which was in Azusa, uh, at I think it was like 6 o'clock. So I drive from Huntington Beach wow. to Azusa. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, this is it. My family, my cousins, my, my brother, my sister, anybody, I'm going to do anything for them. So to drive that far of a distance, okay, I, he was at calling that time. at that right. particular, after traffic, let me yeah. tell you, because yeah. I got off at four and I barely made it, I think at like 545, it took me like an hour and 45 wow. minutes. I still remember. So I show up and, um, and he goes, oh, you're not wearing a tie. And I go, yeah, what, what do you mean a tie? And he goes, uh, you got to wear a tie for this thing. I go, dude, where the hell are you taking right. me? And uh, he <laughs> pops open his trunk. He's got three ties. True story. He's got three ties. And he matches me up with the tie that best fits, and I put it on, and I'm like, dude, where the hell are we going? So he still hadn't told you what still hasn't told me nothing. He goes, don't worry, it's going to be awesome. Nothing. Dude, it's going to be exciting. I'm like, dude, what is going on? So I jump <laughs> in the passenger seat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not yet, but that did come up. So I put jump in the passenger seat. He jumps in the driver's side, and he did one thing right. He took me. So I had no opportunity to shake loose. Right. Yeah. So we get to driving. By the time we're on the 210 freeway, he tells me he's going to be a financial advisor and how he's going to make all this money and he's just going to be this, that, and the other. And I go, dude, you joined a cult because you just borrowed 200 bucks from me last week. How are you <laughs> oh going to be a financial advisor? Probably to get started. Yeah, probably. And how are you going to be a financial advisor when you, your yeah. finances aren't in order? How are you going to tell people how to get their finances in order? Mm -hmm. But by this time, I'm really curious. So we go and pick up another person on our way oh, there. Wow. Okay? Oh, wow. Okay. So we pick up this realtor. I remember her. She she jumped in the car, and she starts asking him, where are we going? <laughs> Same thing. It's awesome. It's going to be this, that. So then we go to this Pomona office. Okay. 
and uh, the Pomona office was banging. I mean, it was rocking. There was a bunch of people there, and I'm walking up, and there's a crowd of people with a bunch of music blaring in wow. Pomona, okay? And they all have name badges on. It was maybe 100, 110 people there. Wow. So there was a lot of people there. That's a so party. what's going through your mind as you're driving, you pick up the, the realtor, your cousin's talking, yeah, I'm going to be a financial advisor. Well, like, mind you. Are you thinking like, this is maybe an exit strategy for me? Am I going to a job no, interview? No, like, nothing like that. I'm just going to go support my cousin. Like, I'm just going to check it out. I'm just going because Steve pulled rank and he okay. goes, you're my cousin. You're coming. Okay. Just show up. Yeah. So you were, you're kind of open-minded. You're like, whatever. No it's not about me. It's about my cousin. No clue. Now this is 16 years ago. So from what I remember, now mind you, I had a job at the time, and I know what it's like to have a job. I was the negative Nancy in the office, okay? Mm -hmm. You ever see those guys that gossip on their lunch hour? Yeah. That was me, okay? <laughs> their break, they take every minute of their break. They go to the bathroom as many times as they can just to get over on the company. Yeah. Uh, that was this guy. I was very competitive, though, so I took my, home, my work home with me a lot of the times. But... So when I got there, we got a tour of the office. And once I went through the tour, uh, the lady that was given the tour, her name was Christine Ramos. Now she, later on down the road, she turns into Christine Charlier. She's Dan's wife, okay? Mm -hmm. So Christine is given the tour and I stopped the tour because she's telling me about all these people that are making all this money and they're this and I go, okay, wait, hold on a second. no. Understand, I'm negative Nancy, right? I'm Mr. Know-it-all. I just made $76,000 <laughs> the year before, you know? So I stopped the tour, and I go, okay, you saying all these people make all this money. How much money did you make last month? And she goes, well, I made ten grand last month. And then we continued the tour, and I'm like, yeah, right. She made <laughs> I'm like telling everyone. I'm like the negative guy in the crew. Like there's like You're four the or five people. Yeah, I'm the jerk in the crowd, right? Yeah. Right. So then we spill out into the big deal, and, and I got a red name badge on. Right. Everyone else has a blue name badge on, and I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on here? And uh, finally, they break the floor. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our office, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going to be listening to a financial seminar, but out the back end, I was going to be recruited. All right? So they put us in a room. There must have been about 40 guests that night. Okay? There's a lot of guests. The first guy that's presenting, his name is Ed Milet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know him. A little bit. Just a little, little bit. bit, right? Yeah. So, superstar Instagram, fabuloso dude that you know now. He's a bad dude. And back then, 16 years ago, he was probably badder. Uh, you just knew the guy was worth money. He, he had a tailor-made suit on. Uh, he, he got up and he said, one thing that really slapped me in the face was he said, change what you're doing to change what you're getting. Mm. Ooh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I said to myself, okay, he's talking to me, this dude, I'm in the third row. You know, he, 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 uh, he wasn't very tall. He's maybe five, eight. And, uh, just to give you the visual, but he was powerful. You could tell his words were very powerful. He's very articulate in his words. And, uh, you just knew that the guy was money. Mm. The second presenter was Brian Arnold. Brian was a double master's degree uh, professor at APU. This was the guy that I thought, okay, mom and dad always told me education is key, right? right? He's got a double master's degree. That's my goal in life, right? Yeah. 
And I got to listen to this guy. So he talked about financial planning, et cetera, et cetera. Wasn't very pizzazzy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I could tell the guy was. The veggies was, were there. Yeah, exactly. Veggies. Exactly. There, was, there wasn't lots of sizzle, but there was enough steak. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last presenter blew me away. His name was Dan Charlier. Yeah. He was a, uh, a tall dude, um, uh, 6'4", uh, and he, he was a very powerful speaker because he was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So he was a drill instructor for the Marine Corps. And when he got up and spoke, he spit in everyone's face. Like, that's like, how, what are you going to do? Like he's, oh, like he's like, talking to like, the boot camp. Exactly. So again, I'm in the third row and he's spitting them. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I was, I'm excited because I had never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And that's one thing that, that, you know, if we're doing the podcast, I'll tell everyone is that when emotions are high, mm-hmm. intelligence is low. Oh, yeah. So I'm on this emotional bubble thinking, dude, I'm going to be the next millionaire here. I'm going to do this, that, and the they other. Got because, you, they got you sold in. Oh, it got me heavy, right? Yeah. When emotions are low, intelligence is high. So I'm on the ceiling about this opportunity. And by the time he ends, I took it like a duck to water. I'll go, dude, I'm in. Tell <laughs> me where to sign. And then they did this group interview, and I go, uh-oh, it's a scam. It's a group interview. I'm not used to group interviews. I got to have a one-on-one. I got to tell them how great I am and how I'm so talented. And let me tell you a little bit about Manny. You know, I, I couldn't do that. I had to do it in a group setting, right? Uh-huh. And so I remember it was about eight of us, and we're all hired. Hmm. <laughs> Seems fishy, Okay. <laughs> Then they brought out, okay, it's a $100 initial investment to get involved. Mm-hmm. And when they brought out the money thing, I go, definitely a scam. I'm not going to give them 100 bucks. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I still want a shot mm-hmm. to yeah. be somebody. Mm-hmm. I want to be somebody so bad. I don't care what scam is going on. I think I could be this guy that they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So my cousin, I remember he opens the door and we're interviewing. And he goes, and I go, Sam. How come you didn't tell me it was going to be 100 bucks? And he goes, because I knew you wouldn't come. And he shut the door real quick and he left. <laughs> so I paid the 100 bucks and I thought to myself, in my mind, I thought, okay, if I pay 100 bucks, I'll just get a financial education and just use it as kind of like a college course because I was going to college part-time as well. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll just take it as that. And I got involved. And, you know, it took me, what, um, a year to get duly licensed. At that time, it was a requirement to get your life and health insurance license, mm-hmm. uh, Series 6 licensed, and Series 63 licensed to sell, of course, variable annuities and then uh, mutual funds and uh, the life insurance chassis. Uh, at the time, one of their biggest products was variable universal life insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we know variable life is very expensive mm-hmm. and it's got uh, f- tw- very high fees things of that nature inside of the chassis. But at that time, that was the flagship product of uh, that company, World Financial Group at that time. Um, But I mean, I'll never regret being there. I believe that I just stayed there (coughs) too long. And uh, you know- How long were you there for? I was there for eight years. Oh, wow. Eight years. So I spent eight years there. I learned a ton of different things. I, I went, I counted them. I went on 16 different trips on the company. Uh, my second year, I was a ring earner, which was I crossed $100,000 in income. 
And even that scenario, you know, I had never made $100,000 before a year. And uh, I thought my ass was up the flagpole, man. I thought I was the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> so when I'm, I remember crossing 10 grand in a month, I made 11,142 bucks, if I remember correctly. I sent that paycheck, dude, to my old boss. I sent it to all the haters. I sent it to everyone. And I said, what's up now? You know, yeah. I was so driven at that particular mm. time to make as much money as possible. I sold no term insurance for two years straight. I only sold VUL. Straight VUL. Straight VUL. So, so during that crazy. time, when did you decide, like, this is my, my I'm going to go all in and I'm going to quit my job mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this. Like, this is where I'm going to support my family. Right. You know, I got my two boys. At what point in that time frame, that year and a half, did you decide, okay, this is it? Well, actually, I actually lost my job. Um, so you did get fired. I, I didn't get or you fired. Got released. I got what they called mutual separation, separation of employment, and the reason why is because I negotiated it. Um, I found WFG. Eight months later, I was unemployed, and then a year later, I finally got duly licensed. So for four months, I was struggling big. So your time. back was against the wall. You Heavy. had no choice but to I had no work. choice. I mean, I thought about getting a job. Um, my dad, I ended up moving in with my dad because I couldn't afford my bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I paid my dad $500 a month that I couldn't afford. When my dad came home, I left. When my dad left, I came home. Like, so you didn't want to I didn't want to see him. See him. <laughs> Every time he'd see me in a suit, he'd go, oh, Mr. Millionaire, where are you going? <laughs> where are you going, Mr. Broke Millionaire? I was going. Yeah, I was homeless in a suit and stuff, but... I remember leaving and and my dad would make me feel so bad that I was I was leaving trying to do something big. He'd go, get a job, you loser. He would tell me straight up, my dad's very raw yeah. when it comes to this. He's very dry. Right. So he's like, get a job. You need to get a job. You know, you can get a job. I can get you a job in finance. You'll make 120 grand a year. You'll do well there. And I was just hanging on to this dream that was so my let was the guy yeah. that I followed. Yeah. He walked into the room with his thumbs out. I emulated him. He spoke out loud and his vein popped out of his neck. I tried to do that myself. I literally was in the mirror. I'd turn my coffee table upside down and I'd think, how can I speak like this man? He was that um, inspirational for me that I wanted to be just like that dude. So I wanted to hang on to his coattails as much as possible. And I inevitably became one of his tightest associations in the company because you know, I, I wanted to be that dude. I'd put my ear up against his door. I'd, I'd roll my chair right behind uh, or right beside a wall. And uh, I'd put my ear up his, against his door whenever he spoke. And he was just so articulate. Yeah. The the way he waved yes. his oh, volume yeah. of, yeah. you know, Wait, yeah. his speaking pattern yeah. was well, just so powerful. he's a great listener. So he listens first and the way he articulates it, it's incredible. He can get anybody within five minutes time yeah. crying. I mean, the guy is Mr. Tony Robbins. I don't know if you guys know this yeah. or not. He spent time with Robbins yeah. and Robin, on his yeah. island. And Ed is is the uh, is the product of mm-hmm. investing in himself. He'll he'll tell you that any any time. And uh, all I did was just watch him all the time. And whenever I got to be around him, I took advantage of it. So. And then ultimately, he looks at numbers, of course. So if you're a high-producing person in his, his base shop, you get his attention. Yeah. And that was me. I was that guy. Me and like two other guys, 
which I ended up whooping that ass on them, mm-hmm. and then uh, eventually <laughs> I eventually I I got his time, so, so I'd go to his house multiple times. I'd go to his. I, I've met his wife several times, and his, his I remember when his children were super small, uh, and I remember going to his cabin. I remember doing all that fun stuff with him, and uh, he'd always pick me. And then four other big dudes. I'm talking like there was, I remember one trip we did Eric Olson, Patrick Bet David. Uh, I, I think, um, who was it? I, I think Haro was there and it was me. I mean, Ed was always trying to take care of me because I believe because he always thought I was quitting. Hmm. So he always wanted to be real close to me. He always kept you close. He always knew yeah. I was on the bubble uh, on a bunch of different things. So is your cousin still in the business? No. So what happened to that guy? He ended up quitting. So really? the way that it works in, because in, I mean, it is a multi-level marketing company. Right. Yeah. So the way that it works is that if if I outproduce, I eventually pass awesome. my upline. And uh, I was the exchange leg, mm. but you know, he, he uh, I, I mean, I love my cousin, I love Steve, but he just, he just didn't produce to the level that mm-hmm. I did. So I eventually passed him up. Wow. And then it, it eventually pushed them out of the business. But this is the time, too, where the loan business was booming. You know, oh, I there see. was those Real negative amortization. Yeah, and then at the time, WFG did that business. They did NEGAM loans, and there was a lot of different rift that happened with that company that. as well, yeah. uh, or with the loan program as well. So, Bro, so then now, let me, so let, let, this is a financial podcast, and, and so. People aren't saving. People don't know what's going on. 401ks are very cookie cutter. Um, I don't think, honestly, in my opinion, people really know that there's other avenues out there of saving. What are people missing? Like, what's going on with middle class America that everybody still believes in the fairy tale of Social Security? Well, if you really dive deep into that subject, which I have, Social Security was never um, invented to be the sole thing that was going to support everybody or, or retirees in general. You know, if you look at, uh, it, I mean, people that are listening to the podcast, they they can just Google the three-legged stool. Oh, yeah. The three-legged stool has social security, uh, it has your personal savings, and then it has the company pension plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you guys know this, pension plans are busted, they're broke. Yeah. That, that is a broke system in general. So you look at any state uh, funded pension plan, nine times out of ten, it's underfunded. It's yeah. broke. Look at California. California has forty million people in the state. We have what twelve percent of the United States population, and a majority of the pension plans are broke. Teachers broke. Uh, teachers, the the Calpers uh, broke. All these different types of um, uh, plans are essentially broke. They're underfunded. You yeah. you can't. There's only so much you can push out of the turnip. Um, if you look at even in the Ronald Reagan era, our taxes are still at one of the lowest rates they've ever been. Yeah. Uh, Reagan didn't do more than two movies a year. And the reason why is because he was going to be bumped into another tax bucket. And he thought, if I do a third movie, majority of my money that's made from the movie is going to go towards taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot. I mean, it's simple math. You cannot have a $22 trillion deficit, which is what we have in the United States. By the way, nine years ago, it was $8 trillion. 
Uh, you cannot have our baby boomer population, 81 million Americans that are all going to retire, retire solely on a broke social security system. Mm-hmm. So inevitably, in my opinion, this is my opinion, uh, taxes will have to rise. And when they do, people are going to be very shocked to hear that their 401k or traditional IRA platform, you have to pay taxes on distribution. And it's the tax as of that year. Right. Of Not when you started income. saving. Right. So people need to get a checkup from the neck up, as my boy Ed used to say. Yeah. So what uh, 401ks came about in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's a broke system because you have to voluntarily put into your 401k system. And as regular Americans, we do not save like we did back in the 80s and 90s. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. We're a debt society. Credit cards are out of control. So let me go on a soap dish a little bit more. Student debt is out of control. Student loan debt is, has, has <laughs> surpassed credit card debt. I mean, we've gotten this kind of, I'm going to be controversial about the good. We've, we've gotten this lie, essentially, that if I go to a four-year college, I'm going to get a great job and I'm going to be okay. That's not true. That's a act. That's a lie. Who's living that right now? Everybody's living that. Right. I mean, if if I talk to my buddies that are wealthy too, and they're like, oh, "I'm going to send my kid to college. I'm going to do this. I'm going. What's what's the average guy make out of college? I think it's something like thirty-eight grand mm-hmm. or something like that. In in these times, <laughs> to make thirty-eight grand, especially in California, dude, you better move to yeah. Kansas or something. I mean, you cannot afford that. So that's a major. But the number one thing that I'm positive that you're you're going to ask me next is the number one thing that people are not paying attention to above uh, what chassis they're putting into their 401k or, or IRA or insurance plan or Roth IRA or anything like that is they're not looking at mom and dad and the inheritance plan that they have for them. Go go on that. Exaborate on that. Stretch that a little bit more. You got it. Um, it Gosh, the wealth transfer is 62. I mean, there's always different statistics. Right. But yeah. let's just round wealth transfer at 60 trillion with a T. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And this is because the market's been up lately. This is the biggest bull market we've ever been through. So if the wealth transfer is 60 trillion with a T, I want to know does mom and dad have a living trust? Do we have some type of estate plan? Mm -hmm. Does my mom have a life insurance policy to hedge estate taxes? So when when these kids, I'll call them myself, there's baby boomers that are that are transferring all this wealth, 81 million Americans that are all transferring 60 trill. Okay. And then their parents, of course. I'm an ex Jenner. So I need to know mom and dad, when they transfer all this money, do I have the right insurance plan ready for them? Do they even do they have a bigger estate than 5.4 million, which is the threshold for estate taxes? If they're married, it's 10.8 million. If I'm wealthy, I should know without a doubt in my mind, no brainer. I need a big, hefty life insurance policy to hedge estate taxes. That seems common sense, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you got Susie Orman talking about buy term and invest the difference mm-hmm. for regular folks, which makes sense for regular folks. Mm-hmm. But for a wealthy guy to do that, they would laugh you in the face. I mean, a, a, a real financial planner would not even have a day in the sun with one of these guys, right? Because yeah. they don't do the right type of financial plans. Uh, and then you got me as the ex janitor. Now I got to figure out what am I passing on to my millennial kids? Right. 
And even worse, what if I create a Z Jenner kid that is constantly on his or her phone? I'm taking my my Which ten. We're I have a ten now. year old. I have a ten year old. I have a ten year old, and she's not allowed to do social media until she's 18 years old. Yeah. We date. just released she our, our daughter to do an Instagram. Yeah, she's 18 yeah. now, so you can have an Instagram now. Yeah. yeah, she can't date until she's 21. But anyways, yeah. that's my daughter. If. But yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. But about the dating. But I think it's. It's very important for these kids to get educated just as much as I've gotten educated about these different financial terms. Where does one go? Normally, they just turn to the rich uncle who has no experience as well. Or normally, they turn to the, I hate to say it, the MLMer that has never learned financial concepts either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taught to recruit someone, get into a top 25, and sell them an insurance plan. And hit the next promotion. That's it. That's it. So where do they turn to? I mean, there's not many guys like you and I that are out there educating uh, these clients for free. And if they are, um, kudos to them, but they're very few and far between. What the average retirement planner is 61 years old, mm-hmm. from what I hear, that's that's crazy. You know, They're all retiring when the need is going up. Yeah, I get excited about it, don't get me wrong, but at yeah. the same time, that's one of the bigger needs. So what makes the financial architects different than your local Bank of America, Wells Fargo? Because I can go to TFA and open up an IRA and I can go to Wells Fargo and open up, sure. open up an IRA. Why should I go to Manny Soto and the financial architects and go do business with you guys as opposed to the local bank? Well, I got to tell you, you know, any financial industry is, or any financial planner, I should say, is buyer beware. You know, with the client that walks in, I have an agency that probably has, let's say, 50, 52 agents in it. For me to go, we're all perfect. I would be lying. Yeah. So again, that turns into a buyer beware situation. So what's different about our firm versus like a bank or another, um, I won't say their names, but another firm, is that every single client has the choice to pick, number one, the advisor, and how well they are on their game, right? Because I don't care what anyone says, uh, this business is not simple, duplicatable, and predictable. It's not. Yeah. It's the well-read guy or gal that brushes up on their skills, that Constantly is continually learning. following up, they have a good CRM system strategy, they have all these different things. But what separates TFA primarily is that we're a brokerage company. So if you walked into Foot Locker huh. and you go, huh, I'm in the market to buy some shoes. The same thing would apply for walking into the financial architects. I got Nike, I got Reebok, I got Timberland, I got Hush Puppies. I got all these Hush Puppies still out, but <laughs> I got all you these different. Yourself there now. I really did. So I got all these Reebok Classics. I got all these different types of shoe brands at a Foot Locker. Well, at the Financial Architects, we have all these insurance and retirement planning products Mm. for you to take advantage of. And we got them with AIG and Prudential and Fidelity and Guarantee and big companies of Voya that's just barely been bought out, Pacific Life to name a few, LSW, I mean, the list goes on and on. Cincinnati Life, every A-rated company that you can think of, we do business with. And that's what makes us very potent, very powerful. Mm-hmm. As is you. I mean, I, I've I've uh, I've looked into your company, and I I, I know you personally. I, yeah. I think that the the products that you have are uh, identical to yeah. the products. And, and so just just so you guys know, Manny and I have been friends uh, for a few years, and we are business partners, and and we do we do do some business together with the Rye Financial and the the financial architects, and and. Uh, 
one of the things I've personally learned in business is relationships are everything. And so, uh, Manny and I got reacquainted, uh, what, a year ago? A little over a year ago. And because of Manny's uh, influence and connections and just his longevity in the business, he was able to help Arrive Financial align ourselves with some really great people and just some amazing uh, companies that have allowed us to grow as well. So, um, thank you, brother, for that. Absolutely. Uh, What what else we got on store for him, honey? What else other questions we got for Manny? Well, just on your your agents, as far as, you know, now that you're no longer in the MLM business and um, now you're looking for talent, right? I mean, and that's really, I mean, you've learned a lot from the MLM. So when did you decide, like, okay, I want to do the financial architects? Like, when did that vision come into play? Like, this is what I'm going to do, have my own agency. What does it look like? What kind of people do I want working with me, associated with me? So do you have a vision for that, a, a goal or... Totally. Uh, I I got to tell you guys, when uh, when I initially left uh, WFG, I was like uh, on an island. I, I didn't know what I wanted to accomplish. I told five guys, five of my closest guys at my previous firm that I was leaving. Uh, three out of five left with me. Even though I had no direction, I didn't know where, where I was going to go. Um, thinking back... They shouldn't have never left with. Are me. they still with you? <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Are they still um, in the industry? Two out of three are still in the industry. Okay, okay. yeah, and they do very well. Like okay. close to seven figures, both of them close okay. to seven figures. Nice. Um, the two that stayed, one of them ended up leaving as well, and I actually contract him to this day. Okay. Uh, the other guy is still there. And, uh, you know, he I don't know what he's doing. I don't even speak with him anymore. But when I initially left, again, I was just molded into recruit someone, build a top 25, get into their market. I never really did any type of outside marketing for myself or any type of sales training or anything. Mm-hmm. So I had to build myself again and recreate who and a I whole really was. Different, and a whole, whole different, different basically a whole different business model. Everything that... Uh, if you, if you had a new guy that left his old company, uh, everything that he's done wrong, he's gonna do wrong. I've done it, and so for three years, roughly, when I left, when I initially left three years, I didn't want any recruits. I don't want to recruit no one. I don't want to build no one. I don't want to tell anybody what to do or coach him on the different things. I wanted to just do individual financial planning. So I rented a little. $500 office, you know, those little uh, virtual offices. Virtual offices. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, the receptionist there and they she took all my calls and I didn't have an assistant, nothing. I did all my paperwork on my own. I, the first year, so for three months, I didn't do anything. But nine months after, I replaced all my income that I was making at WFG. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Because yeah. I was on a lot lower contract, obviously. Right, right. And when I had a bigger contract, I can now do personal financial planning. Right. Yeah. So now I was going, and I had already, mind you, I had already had maybe, I want to guess, 800 to 900 personal clients. Wow. But I did it wrong. I didn't do a CRM system. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of the stuff that I'm doing now. And the people that I teach now, they get the shortcuts big time so I did it all wrong but initially I didn't want to coach anybody so I contracted people but I gave them all high contracts and I said you guys learn on your own now this is this is key actually for anybody that's in the financial planning industry because that's not what to do either Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
a bigger percentage of nothing is still nothing. You know, yeah. you can't give yeah. someone a big contract and they don't know what to do. Yeah, it doesn't They're, matter. It doesn't true. matter. Yeah. Exactly. So right around my third, fourth year that I was independent, um, I had a buddy of mine, Butch Chalaya, who used to be in WFG. He was close to a million dollar earner there. Uh, we went to lunch and uh, he asked me, he goes, how's, uh, how's the business, man? And I go, oh, I'm cool, man. You know, it was like 12 o'clock. It was at Buffalo Wild Wings in Chino Hills. And uh, I'm cool, man. You know, I'm pretty much retired. You know, I, I work like 30 hours a week. I'm big timing him. Now, mind you, I only made like 150, 160 grand a year at this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he slapped me real big time. Here's what, here's what he told me. He goes, when did you shrink your dream, Soto? Wow. When did you think 150, 200,000 was? And I didn't tell him how much I made. He goes, he, when did he you read think? It. He knew it. He knew yeah. it. When did you think 150, 200,000 was good enough for you? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, damn. He got me. Real friends will challenge you yeah, like that. Right. This, this is my buddy. This is a real friend of mine, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And now he's super successful doing what he's doing. But but I think to myself, like, without those types of associations, our associations and right. others' associations, we can't, we can't grow the way that we should be growing. We got to be somewhat uncomfortable, That's right? That's right? true. So I was living in Chino. And, you know, California is, like, beautiful, right? So every day sunny. So I'd go in my backyard and make my little 20, 30 dials, text message, and I was making 150 grand a year. I mean, for anybody else, you'd be like, damn, what a Killing dream it. life, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I'm like, yeah. I'm doing good. I got, like, a little – I got E63 Mercedes, and I got a BMW. I, outside looking at you, go, man, this guy is killing it, right? But I wasn't saving any money. I was saving, like, maybe 5% of what I was making, and I was not doing as well as everyone thought I was doing. Yeah. And then I did a financial seminar, and this guy, Omar, Omar Sanchez, you know him, mm-hmm. uh, he came to me after the seminar. There's like 18 people there at the seminar, and he goes, hey, um, I, I have a license. I really appreciate you coaching me. I think I can learn a lot from you. He was 26 years old at the time. And um, and I go, yeah, I don't do that anymore, bro. If you, But if you have clients that want you know save money and retire earlier, I'd really appreciate the referral. And he was referred to me by my buddy, um, Albert. And he went to Albert and told Albert, he's not going to coach me. And Albert called me and pulled a favor. And when Omar started working with me, he started from my house. And then I go, man, I got to create an environment for this guy. And that's when I got an office and I got. So it was that it was that it was Omar that helped you expand. It it at least planted a seed. And like it made you like push you in a different direction. You guys have kids. I, I got kids too, right? Yeah. You want so bad for your kids to win. Yeah. hundred percent. That you will kill yourself just yes. to make it happen. Yes. Oh, yeah. So when I coach somebody like that, I, I take responsibility. Like I take it very seriously. So when I finally give this kid the green light and he's doing everything I asked him to do. So he's super coachable. I gotta be like, man, I got I gotta help this kid, right? Yeah. yeah. Because think about it, outside looking in for a second, because you guys are identical to me, better because you're married. So if I take down a client, I have 20, I looked yesterday at my full-timers meeting, I have 2,766 people in my phone, okay? I can easily grab one person out of the phone, sell them something, and I'll make three grand on the transaction. Yeah. Or I can take John Smith, 
who knocks on my door and says, I want an opportunity to win, Manny. You know, can you coach me? And I got to do his, I, I got to go through headaches with him. I got to go through, oh, man, you know, you're a champion. I do all. I gotta believe in him. I gotta say, dude, you with your skill set, you're gonna be amazing. I gotta do all these different things with this guy or gal, and then when he gets rejected uh, on the phone, I gotta give him some love, some more. Then when he when he gets a a, a client that wants to put away eight hundred dollars a month, then I gotta go and coach him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What's easier, me grabbing a contact from my phone and making three grand? If I if I grab. 20 people from my phone I got a lot of contacts in there mm-hmm. that's 60 grand or coaching the brand new dude who manages a Hyundai I gotta say it's easier yeah. to down clients yeah. I don't want to recruit no one yeah, yeah. You, you follow 100% so it was Omar that got me out of my comfort zone but I gotta tell you it may be a good or bad thing I'll let you know in five years <laughs> it may be a good or bad thing because I could retire just working my base yeah. I could retire very easily. I could chop this office in half and have lower overhead. Mm-hmm. I could have my own firm. I could have two guys that do planning, advanced planning, things like that. And I'd make more money in yeah. my mind by just taking down my personal clients. Yeah. So I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to find out because I did like, I don't know, $3,000 of personal production last month. And it's driving me crazy. Uh, this month I'll probably do like I don't know somewhere north of fifty grand, but but last month was a coaching month. Like I got guys coming in lined up around the corner that I'm like, all right, man, here's how you do this, here's how I do that. Now the base we probably did three million in annuities last month, and we did a bunch of life premium, so I make up the money right. in overrides right. now. Right. But again, I'm like. In my mind, I know I can make a million bucks just doing my own personal financial planning. And have probably, I'd hate to like throw it out there. You should, I hope my my staff listens to this damn podcast. (laughs) But, and probably have less overhead, less headache, all that good stuff. Yeah. But I'm talking myself into it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot. Because honestly, I mean, being real with you, Let's just put the number at eight hundred grand. If I make eight hundred grand and I do what I what I ask my clients to do, which is save twenty percent, mm-hmm. I will have saved one hundred and sixty grand. If I compound it with an eight percent compound interest rate, I'm done in ten years. Yeah, mm-hmm. ten years you're out. So, yeah. so honestly, I'm just used to the old chassis of building people, mm-hmm. but in reality, kind of in your blood. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. Because we grew up in that chassis. But quite honestly, if I had to do it again, I I might have even just did a financial plan, individual financial planning. Yeah. Go ahead, baby. No, no, no. Go ahead. So. Oh, I love that. Something happened March 22nd. Did you guys catch that? That was cute. No, no, no. You go, honey. No, you go, honey. (laughs) Something happened, bro, March 22nd, the inverted yield curve. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I did a video on this, and I talk about how this marker over the last 60 years has has preceded seven recessions. Sure. Happened again in 2007, uh-huh. okay? It happened March 22nd. On average, it's about 311 days before the recession hits. Right. What happens to our industry in a recession? Well, I don't know about, every again, every agent is different. Um, I've had that question from realtors. I gave a presentation at, uh, uh, 
Angel and Patty's office and Woody, they're huge real estate people. For them, they won't skip a beat. They got a massive following. They've got people in their CRM system. Their business will probably excel in a recession. Their business will be fine. Yeah. Now their agents, agents that have been in the business less than five years, those are the ones to to be concerned with. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, like me personally, even me five years in the industry, I I would still excel because I'm I'm a stud. I'm a champion. I, I can't lose. Yep. I really believe that anybody gives me anything and I could do it just as good, if not better. For those guys in your industry, they again, they, they won't skip a beat. But for the other guys that that turn is really going to take a turn, they're going to need to double their efforts on the sales strategies and, yeah. and sales skills. Another thing is refining your trade. So I don't want to be the blockbuster video of financial planning. Mm-hmm. So I have to... Um, I have to evolve mm-hmm. into Netflix and into Redbox types of things. I mean, NBC nowadays is coming out with their own Netflix That's show. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of different people that are jumping on the bandwagon. Either you evolve or you become the business. victim. You're out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what I have done personally is I am a big believer in um, storefront. Uh, so I think that's a major. I, I've evolved a couple different areas, and I know that if my competitors, my competition does not evolve, uh, eventually I'll end up scooping up a lot of not just their clients but their agents their as well. Agents, yeah. So we preach safe money, mm-hmm. principal protected money. Sure. Right? So I, my personal opinion is when a recession hits, last time a recession hit, money's flooded left the market because mm-hmm. people were tired of losing money. Sure. So, and just my opinion, I think our industries will actually excel. Our business models will actually excel in a recession. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Well, again, um, I, I think I think people is is the major. I, I don't I don't know if uh, I mean if you look at sectors of business, like this isn't like construction, where obviously we go through a recession, right. construction's down because they're not building any more houses. Whereas financial planning, economy is down, so people go, oh no, I don't know if I can save enough money. That, again, would affect some agents, but not other agents. Whereas like like me, for example, I got, I don't know, like 1,500, 1,600 personal clients. I'm always gonna have someone to talk to. Yeah. I, again, I, I just think it's the, the actual agent. You guys won't skip a beat. You guys yeah. will keep compounding, et cetera, because you got a, a great following. Mm-hmm. A matter of fact, when people lose jobs, now they need to roll over 401ks. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's going to be easy sector. Uh, when people lose jobs, they now go, all of a sudden they go, oh, no, I, I just lost my life insurance at my job. I mean, they should have yeah. never had a company-owned life insurance policy only anyways. So different things like that that transpire and go down. But... Again, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, industry-wise. I don't, I don't know if, if I would say yes to that. I would say it's more based on the professional-wise. Just my opinion. Yeah. So a couple more questions, and we'll finish up. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on somebody that's an entrepreneur and needs to invest back in their business? Like, what's the law on that? Like, when you invest, like. Like you were talking, we were having a conversation before the podcast about yeah. how, man, investing in your business, there's such higher law when it comes to getting the results. 
I have a super talented uh, female in my business. And uh, she's very well-spoken. She's uh, very smart. When she doesn't know something, she immediately calls the company. Uh, she's got a huge why. She's got kids that she needs to win for. She's got great parents. And uh, this is something that I said before the podcast. Uh, she's what I call pinching pennies instead of making dollars. Here's what I mean by that. Yeah. If someone were to really treat this business as if it were a real business, they would hire an assistant, they would pay for an office, they would not be complaining about paying an extra 50 bucks because uh, you need to print some paper. Um, those types of people, they can be as talented as hell, but if they continue to pinch pennies instead of make dollars, they will never ever evolve into something that, that they would have if they were to invest in themselves. Then you said, what's the law on that? What's the rule? I would say every quarter or so you should invest into yourself and maybe take a different course. Mm -hmm. um, every three to four months, I would I would probably, I think I'm due for one, uh, go and listen to a sales master mm. or listen to a, a guy on product or strategy taxes and things like that. Uh, I think it's important. It helps to keep your ax sharp. Right. And again, don't pinch, pinch, oh man, it's gonna be $800 and I have to fly to Dallas. I would fly, I'd do it. Yeah. Uh, or man, this, but this, seminar I want to go to is in Arizona I'd fly to Arizona and I'd listen to to them uh, so many people not just in our industry in every industry I should say yeah. they they pinch pennies instead of make dollars uh, I'll express the the point even more my dad I, I lived in Pomona um, this is real personal I lived in Pomona like eight years ago and don't get me wrong, I grew up in Pomona. So those of you that are from Pomona, don't get all crazy, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I lived in Pomona in this uh, condo. It's three bedroom, three bath. It was a nice condo. And it cost me like 1300 bucks a month to live there. My dad comes to my pad. He goes, what the hell are you living in this place for, man? And he said, you know, and, and I told him, I go, dad, I'm renting. You know, I, I'm I'm on my way to success, right? And, uh, and he goes... You know that you're $350, maybe $400 away from living in Chino Hills? What was I doing? I was pinching pennies, pennies instead of making dollars. I ended up, I lived in Pomona, and my neighbors weren't the nicest persons, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, I moved to Chino Hills. My neighbor's uh, a family law attorney. My other neighbor's a CFO. My neighbor across the street, uh, their, their house was given to them by their parents. So associations are, are everything. everything. It, yeah. they're, they're super important. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if, if you will. I think they're truly important, but at the same time, you could still be down to earth and still yeah. have oh, yeah. powerful associations. You know, 100%. I think area is important. I think that mentality is important. Um, it's just What do you think about family? Humble. Cause you love, you know, family yeah. always supports you 100%. They always got your back. Well, not really. You know, <laughs> I know that's what I'm your trying dad, to say. Right? Your dad wasn't always the most. Oh man, my dad. Because you I mean, talk to my dad now. My dad called me while I was speaking on the podcast. You talk to my dad now. He's like my best friend. Man, he's like, I just 
you know, I, tell, I kicked my dad you? down a couple thousand hey, bucks. And I've seen your oh, I'm so proud of you. I've what seen you your done? pops uh, on Instagram, dog. Your pops, I gotta meet that dude because he seems oh, like a man. cool cat. My dad is super cool, the the best dude, I swear. But you see my dad in his 30s, and you see him now at 68. He's a completely different so, person. And the reason why I bring up family, because I had a couple of guys with me that I love. They know I love them, mm-hmm. right? And I will have a direct conversation with them, and I will call them out. Yeah. And I tell them over and over, your family is like an, a boat anchor. You're trying to excel, but there's so much average around you that they beat you down when they see you trying to be better. Yeah. What do you, th- what do you tell that guy? Well, I mean, I'll put my sister on blast. Two days ago, my sister told me some bullshit, said, because uh, I told her she needs to hit the gym. And uh, <laughs> she said, uh, she said, and I was messing around with her because it was Mother's Day, right? I was messing with her. I love my sister. But, but she said, well, I'm not trying to prove anything to nobody like you. You know, she said so. She gave a little jab, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> but it's cool because people are noticing, and any successful know, any successful person knows that once people start to talk about you, that's when you're headed in the right direction. You know, it's not easy getting to from one place to the next. And if you don't ever want to do something big, then just don't do nothing. Yeah. yeah. Continue to be average and ordinary. And personally, I don't want to be average and ordinary. Even my mom, I was telling my mom, because my mom lives with me in Chino, and I, I live in Costa Mesa too, but my mom lives with me in Chino, and I was telling her, I said, Mom, you know, because she was telling me about the, the challenges that she's gone through, and I said, Mom, you know, all that stuff that you brought up, how many years ago was that? Yeah. Yeah. And I made her say it. No, I made her say it. I go, how many years ago was that? It's like 28 years ago. <laughs> Let I it said, go. Mom. <laughs> For, for things that just continually to come up every you know every time something gets difficult for me I read this recently like a year ago for me once you make an excuse that's a sign of a loser mm-hmm. real talk oh yeah. it's because uh, wow. it's because you know I got abused as a child and I got powerful. this and I got that you know I, I've I've gone through some shit like heavy shit but you don't see me every five minutes bringing it up and I have this, and I have I have physical challenges. I got I got some some real challenges in life that people probably would not want. But you never ever see me. That's just something what a leader does. Yeah. They don't talk about their challenges. They don't talk about oh the dog ate my homework. They just get it done. <laughs> yeah. They just get it done. You know, and you know us being in financial services. This is kind of like a. Uh, a winner talk as well because financial services yeah anybody can do financial services and help people save money and show them the differences between uh, taxable and non-taxable things like that but getting a champion in the room uh, a guy or gal that thinks above average mm-hmm. and then and then associating with that with financial planning it's, oh, it's freaking awesome yeah. yeah it's strong as hell because yeah. yeah. they could yeah. they could throw wind to the fire big time mm-hmm. so yeah. So, so you talked about challenges and stuff, and 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 one of the things that I'll, I'll just tell you right now, I've never told. There's about eight people in my life that know, not even it's four people in my life that know about this. So, for me, I was sexually molested twice as a kid mm-hmm. by by a family member, mm-hmm. and for years I thought I pushed it down deep enough that I didn't think it bothered me. But I started to notice as I was getting older. Uh-huh. 
it jacked up a few uh, just how I thought about a few different things. Yeah. And to when I finally just revealed it to my wife, and then these guys know about it. Yeah. Like it helped me kind of like, yeah, get over that so I could get my family to that next level. Right. And, but I did a really good job about putting on a pretty face and not making it known or not even letting people know that it was affecting me. Right. Right. And you were just, I wanted to bring that up because you made a point like, as a leader, everybody's looking for the kink in the chain Mm -hmm. to take you down. And I refuse to let that be a crutch. Everybody has their own red wagon. They got to pull it. You know, I, I was abused as a kid too. So we're, we're, uh, we're alike in that sense. There's a ton of different things that, that, yeah, we take counsel on, but at the same time, we, we make different action steps based on other things. Mm-hmm. We could either use it as an excuse or we could use it as a reason. And exactly. So what I've chosen to do, which you have as well, is you use it as a reason. Yeah. You know, it's because of this, my kids are going to be this yes. now. Right. It's because of this, yeah. I'm going to go here now. Yeah. So that's, that's powerful, bro. That's powerful, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. Because that's not an easy thing. Yeah, well, not everybody's going to know about it. So. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Anything else, baby, you want to add? No. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. So, um, yeah, investing in yourself is, is 100%. It's a major. I mean, that's from the get-go. And that's you know what? Nice. Every time we've invested, we just went to the 10X Growth Con in February. February. Oh, awesome. And there was a few grand to get over there. and, and Sure. And... I always, this just because the way I was brought up, I always like, oh man, it's going to cost us this, yeah. this and this. Bro, but when I go and I do it and I come back, I'm like, why do I always give myself a hard time before yeah. I make the commitment? I think partially we're a little conditioned on our upbringing. That's kind of, you know, our, I would our agree habit is a condition. Big time. So you, we have to change our, our, our yeah. conditioning, basically. Yeah. But every time, I mean, I'm 100% all in like on get, being better every single day and investing in my business and investing in us and investing in myself and investing in relationships. Right. Um, but I always have to give myself a hard time before yeah. I make that jump. It's a habit, you know. That's Like we, even we just coming to your habits. office, bro, it's a two and a half hour drive yep. for us. Yeah. So all weekend since we talked, what, last week when we were messaging, the whole weekend I'm like, I told Manny I was going to be there, but I really don't feel like driving. Yeah, I already knew that. And jump and get me all the way over here. I but, think he slept a little bit in the car. I slept a little bit in the car, you know, like, man. But it's, but again, I know it's tonight when, when I drive home, I'm going to be like, yeah. hey, that I'm was glad cool. I went. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was cool. It's yeah. uh, what is it? The Oracle of Omaha. He he says it uh, the best. He says the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. Wow, so powerful. powerful. Yeah. It's strong. So absolutely. Yeah. So when so when we think about our habits, we are all in control of our own destiny. Mm-hmm. Like we can make a change at any point in time, but it's the habits that we've created that either hold us back or that are fan in the fire to our future yeah so and that's powerful because if you think about those habits man sometimes they're so subtle <laughs> golly but they weigh a ton when you don't realize it and i'd like to believe everyone is not perfect you know there's only one person and, yeah. and i'm definitely not that person but yeah uh, there's one person that's perfect and everyone's going to have a deficiency that's why i believe you know i can really accomplish anything that anyone else can accomplish as well uh, because we're all human beings, we're all made from the from the same uh, cut, if you will, 
And I think that uh, whether you may be deficient in one area and I might not be deficient in that area, but you may be strong in some area that I'm deficient at. And that's what makes human beings just so powerful. And and it also makes makes it more powerful to learn about them a little bit more. That's true. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, like the like five love. I always I tell my guys five love languages. There's six needs and there's three specifics in presenting to people. And if you know all three of those sectors, you you can close anybody. And depending on how deep you want to take that skill set is completely up to you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, just like we've been talking about, they got their habits. They got they got different habits. (laughs) Pinching pennies instead of making dollars. dollars. You know, I could tell them they're great until I'm blue in the face. But until they realize they're great, that's right. It's just. But again, it's it's who you associate yourself with and what you're reading, the personal development. You know, all of it kind of plays key points to getting you back to the success where you want to be. So, so, bro, I I I think all of us got a lot out of this podcast, right? This is going to be cool. Just so you know, man, we're going to do a quick two-minute video to announce it on social media. But okay. where can we find you at? Where's your office located? What's your office number? Um, where can we find you at on Facebook, on Instagram? Where are you at, bro? Where can I get your stuff at? Where Are oh, you sorry. on YouTube? Uh, you could you could actually Google me Manny Soto and some YouTubes will come up. Uh, okay. The name of the company is the Financial Architects. Okay. Our main office is in Chino, California. What's uh, the address? The address here is one two four four seven Central Avenue, Chino nine one seven one zero. We are going to be out in Costa Mesa. Uh, I'll make it public right now. I'll probably be in Costa Mesa four days out of the week to be honest <laughs> why not yeah why not, yeah. Why but, not? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna it's be gonna out be there sunny in california <laughs> well not to mention this is really turnkey like everybody here they come and go they pay their rent and you know it's very turnkey we get walk-ins our sign goes up on friday so it's gonna be awesome wow. your marquee um, out front yeah it's okay. gonna be hot sweet you can find me on facebook under manuel soto Okay. Manuel, Soto, Manuel, those of you that are Soto. Latino, uh-huh. um, or you can find me on Instagram, which is Retirement Options. So I do do uh, several videos on a consistent basis, yeah. and we talk about different basics. But um, we'd love an opportunity to help anybody out there. Sweet. Well, hey, you guys, I want to appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. Again, this is the Power Couple Financial Podcast. I have the pleasure of doing it with my wife, Adela. Honey, you want to leave? leave everybody no i'm just I, I hope you guys got a ton of information um it's powerful to hear from the ceo himself you know how he got in the business and all the different things that he had to overcome and so um it was a, gr- a lot of great information so i hope you guys got a ton of value and we appreciate you being on yeah, our podcast so um again thank you for listening Signing off, you guys. I appreciate you guys jumping on. Manny again, bro. Thank Absolutely. you so much, man. Uh, uh, until was, next time. Until next time, it was good to dive in a little deeper with you, brother. But, it's that uh, radio voice. You, said, you got a face for radio, That's baby. That's right. I got a face for radio. <laughs> Thank you, guys. appreciate you guys jumping on to the next episode. Thank you for listening to Power Couple Financial Podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Ariel or Adela Gonzalez at Arrive Financial and Insurance Services. Call 661-636-6862 or visit them online at arrivefinancialservices.com. 
All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Insurance products and services offered through Arrive Financial and Insurance Services. Ariel Gonzalez, Adela Gonzalez, and Arrive Financial and Insurance Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.